Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Green Pole podcast. I'm sitting just across the road from Craven Cottage on a glorious uh, summer's evening, about 48 hours before Fulham's Premier League campaign gets underway and how nice it is to be starting a second season in the top flight. And I'm joined by one regular and one veteran of the Green Pole podcast, uh, which way around it is, depends how long you've been listening. Alan Druitt was here at the beginning and indeed was the instigator of all this madness. Alan, great to have you back. How are you doing? I was good until you called me a veteran. I feel old now, Dan. Well, you know, yeah. Oscar always makes fun of my advanced <laughs> age, so I thought I had to get in there early with a sort of Shao Paulinia-esque uh, reducer, shall we say. But it, yeah. I'm glad to see you've taken it in the spirit it was intended. Um, <laughs> great to have uh, Alan Alan back with us, obviously, and Oscar Boom, the least Serbian-sounding man I've ever met, is calling in from somewhere in Serbia that I still can't pronounce, Oscar, so do the honours for me, please. Uh, I'm in Zlatibor. And by the way, Alan, you don't feel old, you are old. Oh, he's taking no prisoners. <laughs> I mean, we can, just, we can just kick him off at this point now. He, he Dan, I, I didn't. I didn't start up this disciplinary reasons here. Yeah, Dan, we never started up this podcast to get um to get abuse like this, did we? What's this? No, all I about? mean, I had to get abuse walking down the street. So you know, <laughs> I leave you I, in charge really for a few months, and this happens. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> um, well, uh, it's a lively start already. We'll try and bring some semblance of order to proceedings. And where I wanted to start, lads, was we're on the cusp of a new. Um, Premier League season. I'll start with you, Alan. How we? How are you feeling about it? Um, I know you did a piece with Live Score earlier today. That's that, that's gone up this afternoon. Um, perhaps for the listeners who haven't quite wrapped their eyes around that one, um, surmise where you think we are and how positive you are or not going into the new campaign. Well, if we was having this conversation a week ago, I'd be really unhappy. But you know, a day is a, a big time in football. And now we're in a situation where Silver's staying, Williams resigned and he's he's not going. Mitrovic seems to have decided, you know, he's gonna stay, whether that's by choice or, or not, he's staying, um, as it stands. So we're actually stronger than we were when we finished last season. We've got two new additions in Bassi and Jimenez and it's a cause for optimism again. There's no reason why we can't replicate what we did last season. But we're still maybe three, four players short from where I think Silva wants to be and where I think we could be. But no, it's it's positive and yeah, roll on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're certainly much more positive than we were when it looked like everyone was leaving for Saudi Arabia. Uh, we'll come to that in a little bit, I think. Oscar... Uh, when we talked just a moment ago before um, starting the podcast, you were still sort of worried about the point that Alan ended with there. The the um, the depth of the squad still isn't where you or Marco Silva would want it to be presently. Yeah, I think first couple of games, it might not necessarily show, but, you know, five games in or even four games in, we will start to see that we can't bring people off on, on the bench with the current squad, I mean. And I think we need to, we really need to get some signings through the door instead of playing the long game like we always do. And I, and I know we will continue to, despite me saying that, but we need to actually just say, 
spend that extra money just to get them in now rather than you know you know people like Fred who we might who we might now lose to um I think it's Fenerbahce if I'm saying that wrong sorry no, Fenerbahce <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, so, yeah. Uh, and I don't think I don't think we I don't think we need to be too worried because I'm confident that we will get the signings. But at the same time, as things stand, if we started the season today, I'd be worried. Well, I mean, we are, and we are going to start the season <laughs> shortly. So I know, I know. Tomorrow, <laughs> and anyone we sign tomorrow is unlikely uh, to be able to to appear at Goodison Park. Uh, and just on that last point, you, we we talked about Fred, and we'll, we'll get both of your views on some of the people Fulham have been linked with, although not all of them, because we'd need to record for four hours. Um, but Sharpalina is out of the trip to Goodison Park as a consequence of the, the shoulder injury he, he suffered in America. And that's one of the positions that we've been looking at and talked about on this podcast is where you need a bit of backup. Um, and so we're probably going to have to rely on Oscar's best mate, Sasha Lukic, um, which will make him happy, Alan. Um, but he's not really a number six. And... We need some reinforcements, not just in central midfield. I know uh, you've got some thoughts on some of the other positions as well where we need to strengthen. Well, I think Lukic has had a, a good pre-season. And, it, you know, Paulini is training again, which is a positive. So I expect him to be back for Brentford. And, you know, it's yes, it would have been nice to have Paulini back. Oh, a fine, by the way. A fine? Yeah, for saying, for saying the name of... Uh... Hounslow's finest or not finest on the podcast. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> I've been away too long. Um, but yeah, Pauline is obviously going to be a big loss to anyone. Um, but I'm still confident we can we can go to Goodison Park on Saturday and get a result. Reinforcements do need to happen. They will happen. But it's just a matter of when with Fulham, isn't it? Yeah, we've learned to need to be patient. Um so let, let's get into, Oscar, some of where those reinforcements need to be. You mentioned Fred. Were you enamoured with paying? I'm not sure what Fenner are going to pay. And let, let's be clear, Fabrizio Romano, as we've learned this summer and last summer, doesn't necessarily uh, know what he's talking about. So let's wait and see if Fred really wants to go and play um, in, in, in Turkey. Are you disappointed on missing out on the opportunity of paying Plus fifteen million for a thirty-year-old. I, I get a the feeling there might be better value out. You're going to tell me there's a Serbian enforcer who'd be ready to just step in, aren't you? I mean, if if I were a scout, which you know, I, I think everyone's breathing a big sigh of relief. I'm not. If I were, you know, the whole squad would be filled with Serbians. So, um... and then we'd fail all the tests for uh, the work permits. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> uh, but I think. He's my out of the two sort of main midfield signings we're looking at, which is Andre and Fred at the moment. I would much, 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 much prefer Andre simply because he's younger. I feel like he's got higher ceiling, he's more versatile, and I also think we don't need any more old players. And you know, sometimes it's good to have some veterancy, but at the same time, we've got I think we've not actually got the older squad in the Prem, and you know that that's not a good thing, you know. So I think we do need to get some youth and I think Andre would be a much better fit. And 
while I think it's concerning that we've lost him, I think there are better replacements out there. And as you said, better value, better value for money. Can yeah. I just add to that? Four now, yeah, sorry. I think Fred is the ideal signing for where we are right now. And the only reason why I say that is because he brings Premier League experience, which apart from last season, we weren't doing. You know, we signed Premier League ex- experience at the beginning of last season and it worked. With with Fred, you've got a ready-made holding midfielder that can play alongside Paulinho. You know what you're going to get with him. I feel he was slightly made a scapegoat in that midfield of Manchester United last season and the last couple of seasons. 15 million is nothing in, in this day of age, really, is it? Um, and you're going to get two, maybe three years out of him. 30 is not old, Oscar. You know, I'm, I'm 32. It's definitely not an old age. Um, but <laughs> the thing is, it's he's Brazilian. The chemistry is going to be there. It's it's not going to take him too long to bed in. Whereas if you're relying on someone to come from, whether that's the Portuguese league, the Spanish league, from Brazil, you're running a risk of them taking too long to bed in. I think with Fred, he can hit the ground running straight away. Uh, yes, he likes a booking. Paulinho likes a booking. So you're going to have, you know, a very fierce midfield, but it gives you it gives you the foundation, the likes of William, for the likes of Pereira, for the likes of Hudson-Odoi, if he joins, to then go and free themselves. I think Fred's perfect for us at this moment in time. Well, so I'm, I'm slightly between the two of you. The, the issue with Andre is that, as we, as Oscar and I have talked about before on this podcast, Fluminense won't sell him until January. Um, and therefore, or, or that they will sell him in the summer, but they'll ask for another 20 million, more than 15 million, because he's a very good player and he's in the Brazilian um, side. On Fred, my only reticent, Oscar makes a point, which is we, we now have the oldest, the average, the oldest average, um, age of any Premier League club and that's clearly because in terms of squad size that's clearly because um, we're short on some numbers and also the ages of William and Ream skew it highly but there is some lesson from recent history we went down in 2014 having accumulated a number of experienced players and not refreshed the squad I, I I like Fred as a footballer and I all, all I'm saying is Manchester United want 20 million they may well take 15 million and I think it's a bit of a cheat valuing a player at that much with 12 months to go Chelsea uh, and I'll pay the fine um, the sanctioned mob from down the road um, are doing a similar trick with Hudson Adore they started at wanting 10 million pounds for someone whose contract is up in a year's time and I, I do think Whilst we're playing hardball with selling players, we are being a bit more miserly in terms of splashing the cash. I'll flip it around for you. Today, we we finally got Ivan Cavallero off the payroll and we should send some presents to Lille um, for for achieving that for us. But he cost £15 million. You know? And I'm not having anyone telling me that that was, a, that was good value. Um and we've just got that 2018 spending splurge off the FFP balance sheet. So my thing is, let's see if we can uh, bring in some players younger with a bit more resale value and with a bit more ability to get around the pitch. No disrespect to Fred, and obviously we'll get right behind him if he dons the famous white shirt, which he may well still do. I want to move it on just to touch then specifically to, to Goodison Park on Saturday. Marco Silva's press conference was this afternoon. A few things came out of it. Um, Pelina isn't going to make it. 
Kenny and Andreas Pereira might. Tim Ream is going to travel but may not play. The composition of the starting lineup. How, how are we thinking about how the selection has evolved um, so so far? Alan, um, we, we, we've talked about Polina. You'd really want Andreas Pereira in there if at all possible. Uh, but you don't want to take any risks with anyone early in the season, do you? And risk losing them for a long time. No. Um, yeah, obviously, if Pereira's available, he plays. And I think we'd all rather see him play in that starting lineup come three o'clock Saturday. If he's not there, then, you know, we make deal with what we've got. Uh, again, if Hudson Adoy somehow signs tonight or is announced before midday tomorrow, then the options there, but he's not played much football, so that's probably a, a bad example because he's not going to be match ready. But I think the lineup against Hoffenheim will probably be as close to, if not the lineup for for Everton on Saturday. Yeah, and that puts um, Sasalukic in the in the uh, in the six, Oscar. Where it's not, you know, we we've talked about this before, and you wrote a really good article um, last week on. Um, on why this is probably going to be a stronger season for for Lukic at Craven Cottage than than last time for two or three reasons. One, he's had a bit of experience of the Premier League. Two, he's going to have a bit more um, game time. As Alan said, he had a good pre-season. Um, how are you looking, because you'll always select Sasa Lukic, so I'm not even going to ask you. How are you looking at the rest of the lineup? Where are we on sort of... Calvin Bassey versus Tim Ream at this point, given that Bassey did well last weekend. I'll get to that in a second. I just want to say quickly, uh, Fabrizio Romano has just announced about Fred that um, they've agreed with Manchester United and that Fred has agreed terms and that he's going to travel for medical tests now. There we are. Second podcast in a row where we broke some live news on the on the show. Um so I guess we can bid, bid adios to to Fred being in a white shirt if we believe Fabrizio. Back to uh, back to. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's all good. Go on, mate. So I think I don't. Obviously, I think I'd start. I'd start Bassi. I'm not convinced that Room is going to be fully fit, but definitely for the first game, even if he's. Uh, so I'd probably start him on the bench, see how Bassi does, and maybe sub Room on for the second forty-five, depending how the game is. And depending how Bassi's forming, obviously I'd stick Mitra up front still. Anyone who says otherwise is an absolute clown. Um, you know, you, you've got the the Serbian midfielders time to shine. But as I said, I, as you said, Dan, I don't need to go too much into that. But yeah, I'd say Bassi needs, I think Bassi needs to start there. And you can't, now. you can't start Mitrovic on Saturday, sorry. In, in the nicest possible way, He's downing the clown hat. Go on, Alan. Go no, on. I will happily wear the clown hat. Yeah, he, what he, he he's played thirty minutes of preseason. He's he sat on the bench. So not even on the bench. Sorry, he sat out, sulking, whatever, whatever has gone on. Nobody knows the real story, and I don't think we ever will. Um, he Jimenez has come in. He started against Hoffenheim. Jimenez will start on Saturday for me. I'm almost certain on that. And then Mitrovic can work his way back in. Yes, what he's done for us has been amazing. And whichever side of the camp you want to sit on with Mitrovic, he for me, he still has to now sit and wait. 
because in of in, that... because of him, because of the summer and because of the sort of flirtation with Saudi Arabia and the fact that he'd missed some training. Is that why? Yeah. It's that point. Of yeah. view? That's an emotional yeah. and a fitness reason. Al. Of course, of course, it's not just a case of okay, well, he wanted to leave, so you sit on the bench. But you have to take some of that into consideration for me, in the sense that he was quite happy t- to leave. Um, and, you know, we would have been left with just him in it. Now Mitrovic is staying, he's working with the squad. And I don't think Silva's the kind of manager that will just throw him in anyway after what's happened. I think he will slowly allow him time to to get back into into the squad. And, yeah, Jimenez will start on Saturday for me. Oh, I'm just waiting for people to play this back to you. <laughs> 2pm on Saturday when the lineup comes out. Just the, the the only thing to add, I know I know what you're saying that he came off the bench on Saturday against Tottenham. Bizarrely, Fulham played a behind closed doors friendly against Hoffenheim on the Friday at Mosper Park. Mitrovic started that and played sixty minutes, as did uh, Reem and as did Andreas Pereira. So and Silva has explained a couple of times now that the, the idea was to get ninety minutes in their legs over the course of. 24 hours to make sure that they were as close to being ready as match sharp as possible as they could be. Um, and I, you know, I'm in the curious position of I would have started Raul Jimenez until I was enthused by hearing Marco Silva say as much about Mitrovic's fitness and his contribution in training, but also the comments. Um, that, you know, he's 100% certain that Mitrovic is fully committed to, to Fulham Football Club. I'm just going to read one of the sections from the... Because I'm not sure everybody would have had a chance to hear the press conference yet. Um, because, obviously, Sky Sports News were covering other inaccurate rumours rather than the Fulham ones that they spread. Um, so, yeah... He's ready to play. I'm 100% sure he's committed to us. We had a moment where I spoke with him. I know him very, very well. I will not hide from you that one offer he received made him think, made him probably take some type of decisions. About not playing one more minute for Fulham, he never said that to anyone inside this football club. Is This is what the press said or his relatives said, I'm not sure. For me and the club, he never mentioned that. But okay, people can say what they want. It was a situation where he had a clear offer from a club, a very good offer for him. And it's sometimes not easy for them to keep the focus, even if you want to keep them focused. Since he has started to work with his teammates again and on the pitch, he's been the Mitrovic that I know. Um, He may well become, return to being the Mitrovic that we know and love. Um, But he may, you know... It's an interesting one. At least we have the strength and depth. I did want to just talk about Raul Jimenez with both of you. Um, interesting player. Very good link forward. Lot, lot's been made of the fact he didn't score a goal um, for Wolves last season, but there are mitigating circumstances of a manager not fancying him and most of those appearances being as a substitute and also not as a centre forward. Um, and there's a slight concern about him being 32 and obviously the, the head injury. But he played really well last week, Alan. And he's an addition uh, and, a, and an asset to the squad in, a, in any case before we consider exactly how he's going to be used, isn't he? Yeah, and I fully expect him and his to be a, a, an impact player rather than a starter, whether that's with or without Mitrovic. Um, I still expected us to bring in 
someone else if Mitrovic did leave. Uh, it's a silver signing, that's clear. So I trust him, and I'm happy with with the transfer. Yes, if you know, if it was three years ago and we signed Jimenez, it'd be an outstanding signing. But for me, it's it's a good squad signing, and you know what you're going to get with him. He he likes to he likes to win the ball in the air. He he can keep the ball with both feet pretty much. And he'll score goals this season with the likes of Willian and whoever else has, he has around playing him. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with Jimenez. Um, but the main thing is Mitrovic's situation has now been settled. So give it a couple of weeks and I can see Mitrovic sort of slotting back into his number nine role. I've got a feeling we'll see him start on Saturday. Oscar, just on Jimenez, I know you've been in Serbia for, for so you won't have seen... I don't think all of the game on on Saturday, but he don't, he will add that he's a different type of forward to Mitrovic, and Fulham have been very reliant on Mitrovic, and and, and your friend Carlos probably feeling a little bit miffed, um, because you know we signed Carlos for five million, and now we've got Jimenez for five and a half. At least it gives Marco some options up top. I'd say it's not necessarily a bad signing. And as you said, it gives us some options and he's not a bad player. He's not a Mitrovic replacement, but at the same time, he's not a bad player. But I I do think we could have used, it's a very good bargain, but at the same time, I'd rather rather sign players in a different position because another striker was not the most urgent thing we needed this transfer window. So I think, it was a good. It was good for value, and I think he's a good player, and I think he has a lot to contribute, especially a different kind of striker to our current options. But I think it wasn't the right time if we if we're trying to pursue other positions, which I think are more urgent. Maybe all I would say is I think there was an expectation that Mitrovic wouldn't be around um, at some point, so you, you probably needed a. Another forward, and I would, I would just speak to to Raúl Jiménez's pedigree. You know, he's won several titles. He's won the Olympic Games with uh, with Mexico. Um, he scored a he scored thirty. He's the seventh leading scorer at international level um, for Mexico. He, he scored goals in Portugal. He scored goal. You know, he scored a lot of goals for Wolves. Made a lot of assists in in, in the Premier League, and then obviously. Um, we know what David Luiz did to him, um, and that obviously took its toll. But he, he reminds me a lot of a of Brian McBride. Um, you know, Brian McBride signed to replace a outstanding Fulham forward um, in Louis Sahar, and nobody really thought Brian McBride could do it. Um, and Brian McBride was thirty; was only six months younger than Demarrell Jimenez, and had some history of head injuries, although nothing quite as serious as. Is what Raul has gone through. So I, I do think because we're sort of European-centric in the way we look at our football, I think people underrate Jimenez, who's played at several World Cups and done done really well. But anyway, there ends the party political broadcast um, on behalf of Raul Jimenez. Let's <laughs> move on then to Everton and what we're expecting from them. Curious little subplot to this is that we're very much in for Damari Gray, although that will obviously not happen until after this fixture is out of the way. Um, When we went to Everton quite late last season, they didn't impress me at all. Um, 
And it's not been a good pre-season for Everton, who barely brought in anybody. In fact, they're hoping to sign somebody imminently. Um, I, I don't. I really don't know what to expect from from Everton, and they've got a horrible injury list. Oscar, what's your analysis of the opposition we're going to face on Saturday? Uh, are we too? Would we be too uh, cavalier in targeting three points from this one? I think. And this is no doubt going to put a curse on it, but I think not. I'm not as with any Fulham game. I sh- I would say we should be happy with three points, and you know it should be something that you know it should be something that's celebrated, not just oh yeah we should be getting that, especially in the Premier League. I think, but I think we should be. I think we definitely could win this if, as long as you know, you know, as bar- barring um, uh, uh, barring us playing really poorly, you know, but that that's just how football is. I think. I don't think Everton are a better side than they were last season, to be honest. You know, looking who they've transferred, all that. You know, looking, you know, especially, you know, considering Damari Gray might not be playing. I doubt actually he'll be playing even. I know he's not a key player for them, but it's sort of testament to the fact that they haven't really progressed, in my opinion, since last season in terms of their transfers. And I don't think, I don't think that they're the strongest side in the Premier League by any stretch of the imagination or anywhere close. I think they'll be in the relegation battle. And as such, I personally think that we should be aiming for three points. Yeah, I would just say Everton will be immensely better than they were at the start of last season because they don't have Frank Lampard as their manager. Um, Alan, what what are you expecting from from Saturday? Are you you confident? How, How do you think we should approach this game? Well, Everton have only lost once in the last 10 opening fixtures in the Premier League. So, we've got to approach with, with caution. Uh, they've signed Ashley Young in the summer. Uh, I think that's the only recognised sign at the moment. Uh, Calvert-Lewin can never stay fit, which is unfortunate because I think on his day, he's he's a really good Premier League striker and he, he could probably carry Everton away from the relegation zone on his own. Dwight um, McNeil's injured which is a big help for us as well, I think. But again, they've not strengthened, so they're not going to be much better than they were last year. And when we played Everton last season, we were on the back of a few defeats in a row ourselves. And I think Silva had to change it. He put James up top. Um, but, you know, we, we went, we never won at Everton up until Josh Madger's masterclass. Um, but, Hopefully we can make it three wins in a row at Goodison Park, and I'm confident we can. It's just opening day, Goodison Park, the crowd. You know that does play a big part at Goodison. They do have a really good home support. Um, the case just get get in their faces early, score early if you can, quiet in the crowd, and we could hopefully make it as comfortable as possible. Yeah, I think you've summed it up really nicely. So what remains then, lads, is to get some predictions. And by the time we put this podcast out, uh, readers of Hammy M will know that we're launching a new feature in in memory of Danny Fulbrook, uh, the Hammy M Prediction League. So you get three points for a correct score and one point for a correct result. So I was told this was not explicitly clear when I explained it to people earlier. If I say that the result is going to be nil-nil when it ends up being 1-1, then I get one point because I didn't predict a correct score. Clearly, I'm never going to predict a correct score. We're all going to do it, all three of us and every participant on the podcast, and anyone can join in in the comments 
um, or on socials. So I'm going to come to you, Oscar. What's your prediction for the first game of the season? Everton against Fulham? 2-0 Fulham. Oh, he's very confident and quick in there. Al, what are you saying? I'm going to go 2-1 Fulham. Okay. And uh, I, I had 2-2, two, two, so I'm going to stick with it. Um, and that guarantees that it's going to be an absolutely horrible nil-nil draw. So sorry in advance um, for everybody. Uh, just wanted to finish with, with, with you lads on Ivan Cavalero. There are still um, some members of the squad who we'd like to move on. Um, Ivan Cavalero has left for Lille. Alan, your reaction to this news that you know a French team may have actually paid some money for Ivan Cavalero, please? I'm quite shocked. Although I would say, I don't think he, he wasn't amazing for us, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he was half as bad as some people make out. And I don't think he was helped by Parker either. Um, I think a lot of people are blinded by the fact that he kept Mitrovic out of the squad. Now, that wasn't necessarily his fault. He did score a fair few goals for us under Parker when we went up. I remember that one against Huddersfield um, early, early on in the season. So, you know, I, I'm not too disappointed to see him leave, but I don't like all the negativity and the hatred surrounded it as much as I'd have seemed to, in, to be reveling in it. You know, anyone that plays with Fulham gets my respect until they openly come out and disrespect the club. He never did. So I wish him all the well in France. And, you know, aren't Lille in um, Champions League? I finished fifth. Qualified. I think they're in... Um, I think they're Europa in... Europa League. Yeah. So he's he's going to go and play European football. Good luck to him. Yeah, he, he, the Portuguese international. He's not a bad footballer. Oscar, what are you saying about Ivan Cavalero going to Lille? I am personally very happy. And I know you said that we shouldn't have all this negativity, Alan. But did you see what uh, Knockhart posted on Instagram earlier yeah, today? Let's not go there because I don't want um, <laughs> I <don't... laughs> to... I did. Right, the Anthony Knockhart range. And I've only got, but, we've only got a couple of minutes left, so let's stick simply to Cavalero, please. Cause... I know, I know, but I, it was, just, it was just, it, I was, I was going to make a point about Cavalero. I think they're two peas in a pod, those two, and I think, I don't think he was right for us. And at the time, he may have seemed like a good signing, and I understand why we bought him at the time. It didn't work out for us. All the best to him at um, Lil, I think it is. Yeah, he went to Lil, yeah. but I don't. I'm very happy he's gone, to be honest. And I don't think he was... Beyond that first season in the Championship, he didn't do much for us, in, our, in my opinion. And he kept Mitra at the squad. And I know you said that's not his fault, but I still, I'm still, i still not happy with him for it, because... Uh, yeah, yeah, we know about yeah. your Serbian yeah. nationalism. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would just say he was probably the symptom rather than the cause of the problems. And he was one of a number of players poorly managed by the previous manager... Whoever, Agreed. whoever yeah. perceived Ivan Cavallero as the solution to our goal-scoring problems when we were trying to stay up in the Premier League, you know they should never work in football again. Uh, but uh, he's not a striker. Well, not that's a striker. what I'm trying to say. Even though he did score <laughs> a terrific header at Tottenham um, to get us a point, and he that's did. the thing, he was capable of moments of absolute magic and. Uh, he did score two goals at Huddersfield on a different occasion to the one you were mentioning, Alan, very early on under Marco Silva. Uh, but it didn't yeah. work out for him here. Um, 
this has been excellent. I've really enjoyed it. Just a few bits of housekeeping before we finish. If you're not going to Goodison Park, a couple of opportunities to get your Fulham fix. Good luck to Fulham's under-21s at at uh, Agra Stadium, uh, taking on Wolverhampton Wanderers in the new PL2, slightly revamped. Uh, PL2 for the new season under a new head coach in Hayden Mullins and if you want to watch a Fulham team in action this weekend you can always go and support Fulham's women in one of their final pre-season friendlies they're at Worthing uh, women on Sunday afternoon at a three o'clock kickoff for Steve Jay's side and plenty of new signings for Fulham's women who kick off their season on the 20th of August the day after uh, we play our local derby against uh, the bus stop in Hounslow, taking on Ashford United at Motspur Park. Um, I did want to finish with recognition of a, a very sad anniversary. It's 13 years um, to the day since football sadly lost Adam Stansfield, who is obviously the father of our young uh, centre-forward, Jay. Um, Adam's legacy as a footballer and also as a man is taken forward by the Adam Stansfield Foundation. We've written about and spoken about the Adam Stansfield uh, Foundation uh, previously. Adam died tragically early from uh, cancer and is sorely missed. But I know how proud he was of Jay as a young boy. He'd be so proud of Jay as a young man and all of the people who have carried his name forward both in the southwest and throughout the footballing community. Our thoughts are with the Stansfield family and friends on what is a particularly sad day, um, and we will be behind them always, as we will be behind Fulham throughout this season. Really looking forward to taking you through another season of absolute chaos on the Green Pole in the company of Oscar Bloom. Thanks, Oscar, for joining us and Alan Druitt. I'm Dan Crawford and this has been the Green Pole Podcast. Thank you so much for your tremendous support and come on you wife.